With over a year of the pandemic behind us and an unknown future with the new variant, a topic we consistently see come up is returning to work and what the future of work will hold. The discussion seems so focused on the business side and not on the human side. Who is making these decisions and have they considered how it will impact the most important asset in business, the people? If you've ever met today's guest, you'd never have to question whether there is a human behind the decisions being made and you can guarantee the people are her number one concern. The climb to the top feels so good when you get there. Is it just us or can it feel lonely sometimes, even when you're successful? And who defines success anyway? What about life's twists and turns? We've learned a few things along the way and we're ditching the culture of competitiveness. Bringing together women from different backgrounds to share their stories. Let's do this together. Welcome to Think Tank of Three podcast. Hi, this is Audrey. I think here with my co-hosts, Rishi Akandi Kepesers and Julie Holton. We are your Think Tank of Three. Today's guest is Katja Chiller, and we are talking about the future of work, work-life balance in a pandemic, returning to the office, and the importance of looking at work expectations through the lens of equity. Katya and I worked together previously, and when the discussion of returning to work and what that new business normal might look like, I was dying to hear from her. She's always had a human-first approach to HR, which I think makes her exceptional in her career. We like a human-first approach here on Think Tank of Three. Katya is the Senior HR Director at AKQA and leads the HR function for the Americas. AKQA is an international design and innovation agency. She has more than 16 years of experience in human resources and has worked in several different professional service industries, from banking to legal to healthcare and advertising. Katja has a degree in psychology and studio art from Ithaca College and has certifications from SPHR and SHRM SCP. And we'd be remiss in an episode about connecting the professional and personal, not to mention that Katja lives with her wife and two beautiful babies, two COVID kitties, and a brand new puppy in addition to a sweet older dog. And you all need to know that in addition to that, she gives the world's best hugs. If there was an Olympic sport for that, she would win the gold. Katya, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Audra, I was so excited to hear from you and know that you were spending time digging in here. I can't tell you how much time I have spent myself. It's truly a passion and such an exciting time to be in HR. You know, I've spent the last year daily in conversations within my agency and out among my peers to really understand what the future of our work looks like for everybody and, and really talk about this working model. So I'm excited to be here with you. I really want to talk about returning to normal from a business perspective, because I don't think that that's a thing. There is no return to normal. So I'm curious about your thoughts on what the new normal will look like for business, especially when it comes to work-life balance and that debate about going back to the office or not. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. You know, I think we are a lot closer to the new normal than most people realize. The days of 100% of our employees returning to a Monday through Friday in-person experience are behind us. Already pre-pandemic, we were trending towards a world of burnout where this model didn't work for us with the amount of work that needed to get done. You know, however, the pandemic really sped up that process and provided us the opportunity to make kind of this large seismic shift. I think we'll continue to work in a hybrid capacity, focusing very much on the work product, though. 
You know, I think the shifts between industries are there and those that need to be coming in a little bit more regularly, I still think they're going to have a version of hybrid. Some days in the office, some at home, meeting our employees and our colleagues face-to-face is going to become more purposeful and less obligatory. And if there are individuals coming in to do work that they could be doing at home, I think that's just going to shift. You know, I think our larger great resignation that we are currently in or great reshuffle, whichever you want to call it, got to be a large driver for our birds and businesses. They're going to have to lean into this flexibility to be competitive. Companies are going to have to step up and step into being much more employee experience driven. Absolutely. You know, on the TV show that I record, we just did a segment on this where we're talking about how to be competitive, especially when it comes to recruitment and retention. It's fact, flat out fact that more employees state that they like working remote or at least like having the flexibility for some remote work and some in-person work. For those organizations that are still holding out and they're so set on keeping people in an office. Why do you think they're so set on that? Is it culture? Is it just because it's the way things have always been? Is there something generational happening or is there something else at play here? So I think there's a few things. I, you know, I think first there is a cohort of people who are excited to go back to the office and have some kind of hybrid. I think they're still though wanting to go back to that bustling office where everybody's in. That's not going to exist any longer. I do think that larger conversation, it's a fear-based conversation. And I get it, especially in professional services. I get it. You know, much of our business is successful in large part to relationship and relationship is built with face-to-face contact. It's easier. It's more organic. It's easier to maintain. We must now in this new space have more of an intentional upkeep of relationship. And it has to, you know, we'll have to be very clear on the care and feeding of employees in a whole new way because we don't have the luxury of those casual passings in the hallways. What must we factor in in these fear-based conversations, however, is the care and feeding of the heart of our product, which is our people. You know, employees have now had over a year where they can throw in laundry at lunch, where they have the cable guy coming during the morning meeting, and they can be home around when kids are home from school. This has provided a level of work-life balance, which has been so valuable and so desperately needed. Also, working from home has provided a new ability of concentration for folks who are especially working in those open floor plans who just can't get maybe a large piece of work out the door with everybody stopping by. I wonder though, whether there's going to be a whole new skill set that people need to learn when it comes to work-life balance, because, you know, you mentioned it's amazing to be able to throw in that load of laundry. And now you can actually get a couple loads of laundry potentially done during the day while also working. It sounds really great in theory. As someone who worked from home before the pandemic, I actually run a virtual agency. So we, we like to joke now that we perfected whatever imperfected the model before it was cool to do so. And I can tell you, it also becomes a very gray area of balance because if I wasn't getting household tasks done while also running my business, while also meeting with clients, you know, it created almost more pressure because now I suddenly had to do one more thing really well. And this is a skill set that you don't learn in college. You don't, in fact, you don't really learn it anywhere. So if we already struggled with work-life balance before the pandemic, and now everything's really blurred, I think some people might do really well with it, but there are others of us who might not. I mean, what do you think about that? Is that something that employers need to take into account? 
Absolutely. I think you've hit Julie exactly where I have been for, for quite a while. I think I was stuck in this work. So this spring, I spent a few weeks doing focus groups through our agency, really understanding this hybrid, like how we want to be innovative in this hybrid experience moving forward. And it was almost shocking how very different the needs of everybody was. And exactly what you mean. Some people are going to flourish in this and are going to know exactly how to pick up electronically and keep foster those relationships forward. Others are going to really struggle and need those days in the office and need a structure that is different from that hybrid experience. We are looking at some North Stars and saying, this is what we want for our employees and build the experience around the employees, build the experience that works for, for the specific working style. And I think some of that too is skill building, helping people understand how to do these things. I just finished bringing 60 managers through a manager training series on hybrid work and how to actually do management of employees through this experience and the rudimentary things, running meetings while some people are in the office and some people are home. There's some building blocks we need to put in place. There are some people who don't function well with that working from home situation. My husband, similar to Julie, he was virtual before virtual was like the thing. He used to joke, you people are pathetic. You can't seem to figure it out, <laughs> you know, but there are individuals who it is hard for them that when they would go to the office, they were able to focus because there is a focus aspect. You can, because when you're at home working from home, like you said, that load of laundry, those other things that are in your life that you now find yourself multitasking and trying to do while you're working. So there is something to be said about certain mindsets or certain personalities where that working from home might actually be a really, really difficult thing if for no other reason than they are struggling with focusing on work. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the other aspect, the culture aspect of things. You know, that new normal, continuing to build out your culture when we're missing those moments, like let's grab lunch together. Like, hey, yes. let's go grab a Starbucks. You know, gathering around for the birthday cake, grabbing a, a quick drink after work. How do companies now, if they're if they're trying to do the, the hybrid model, how do they try to make all that mesh? Because you, we do make friends at the office, but if you're not at the office anymore, are you really making those relationships? Mm -hmm. You know, that culture and, and building those relationships is key. We need to figure out a way to do it. I would say not in the same way, but yes, we absolutely are. And we need to provide that space to do it. I am talking to my managers about the importance of bringing their teams together for purposeful moments. What is the work culmination? And, you know, where, where are you coming to a place in the project that it would be really valuable to bring individuals together to either feedback through something or have a moment of celebration together. And both of those are just as important as the other. Having those in-person connection moments are still going to matter in this new hybrid working model. One company that I know has embraced this hybrid model is Zillow, and they have affinity channels. If you are really into gardening or you're really into dog photos, or you're really into, you know, diversity and inclusion, or really into, you know, whatever floats your boat. They have these channels 
where you can go and participate in Slack conversations, in virtual get-togethers. And it's a way to build the culture outside of just your team and a way to sort of build those relationships throughout the organization. They have regular meetings with their team where they don't talk about work. They get together and they spend 30 minutes just, hey, how's it going? How was your weekend? What's going on? And then the meeting ends and they go back to work. It's not even like the beginning of like, let's do the fluffy feel good and then shift to business. We're only here for the relationship building. So I think there's companies out there that are figuring it out. I think companies just need to be willing to test and to try and to talk to their employees and then to listen to their employees in order to get to what they had or at least similar to what they had. Safely bring back the office party. (laughs) When I say that we are looking to North Stars, one of our North Stars that I'm really messaging out to our people is that we are an innovative company. This is our moment to be innovative in people. We are trying things on in beta. We are graceful in the learnings because some will succeed and some will fail. So Slack channels, we got into that 300 miles an hour, got into that every kind of Slack channel you could imagine. Then we realized that the amount of input people were getting was actually quite intense. And so then we dialed that back and had a few, just very few purposeful ones that we really put energy in. So it wasn't as broad for interests. You know, we do a Monday morning meditation where we just open up a channel and put on a meditation. We ask everyone, what word are we feeling today? Somebody will drop out a word. We'll do a meditation, get everybody on together. We do yoga three times a week where again, we have a yoga instructor that just opens up a channel and leads yoga class and whoever's there wants to jump in. It's that, how can we get creative in this moment? We're a creative agency. How can we look to see what options are there and let's try some things out. And I think when you're in that mode, that builds relationship and that builds a place of testing together. And that builds that trusting space that I think we're missing in the office. You know, one thing that we tend to all get on our soapbox about around here, (laughs) being that this is a podcast by women for women and, and working to empower women is believe it or not, this issue of equity for women, but not even just for women. You know, one thing that is so important as companies decide whether to return to the office or have a hybrid model or full remote model, um, at the end of the day, we know that more women, more minorities, disadvantaged communities, they are the ones that are often negatively impacted by going back to the office, if they were ever even able to leave, frankly. So how do companies need to be thinking about something as big as equity? How do we need to take this into consideration when we're looking at what to expect from employees? I want to dive into this even with an example. Several months into the pandemic, we knew that women were leaving the workforce in droves. Women, for a multitude of reasons, have left the workforce. Perhaps we've been set back as much as 20 years or more. How do we begin addressing these issues? And from your perspective, do companies have a responsibility to address some of these issues. I love that you are asking this question. Thank you for asking this question. Please continue to ask this question. I think the only way we as a larger society are going to figure out how to do this best is to never stop asking it. You know, I think that absolutely employers have, have a responsibility in this moment to be driving this work and be a strong player of moving uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging forward. 
it's going to mean a lot of unlearnings for some leaders overall and for all of us, and not just leaders, but it's going to take a lot of active listening. Because I think also in this moment, when we are looking at our women who have as an overall been set back years, how we help them succeed is going to look very different for each one of them. And I think being again, employee experience driven and standing at that place of valuing the voice, it's going to be really important that we take action on it. Some of these issues are really systemic. The pandemic, in the way that it rolled out, in the way in which women and disadvantaged communities were being pulled out of the workforce, and I'm going to say pulled out because I think that's what it was, it really comes down to those who benefited from being in the office are the ones who want to go back. When I worked at a previous firm, they wanted people to return to the office What they weren't thinking about was that the people who were going to be required to come in had to commute further because they couldn't afford to live in the downtown core. They were the people who didn't have their parking paid for. The people at the top who were making the decisions made more money. They also had their parking paid for. They also had the benefit of being the decision makers who could say yes or no. They didn't need their job the same way some of the lower level employees needed. This impacts women, minorities, and disenfranchised communities more because of that systemic power. But I don't think that it is necessarily just those people who are suffering. I think as a whole, suffering is anyone who isn't in a position of power, doesn't have the money, and is able to drive their own freaking car because even though they can afford to pay for their own parking, it's given to them for free. Sorry for the soapbox. How do we break down some of that power structure from a business perspective? If you're an organization that can't afford to pay everybody's parking, how do you then level the playing field if it's not creating work from home programs? How do you even address this issue when it's so systemic and so power and money-based? I absolutely agree with you. I think it is such a beast of an issue that's going to take a long time to to really get on the other end of it. I think that we have to be understanding the drivers and understanding what drivers are going to make a difference. I think one powerful movement, you know, the the work that's going on within our diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging realm over the last year I think that momentum holds. And I think that momentum is is a driver to getting good talent in the door and needs to be a driver that is spoken to about leadership. That this isn't only what you should do. This is the this is the decision that will help you attract and retain the right type of people to be able to drive our business forward. It's a driver that helps our leaders understand that they need to get on board. They don't know how to, what do I need to do? All of a sudden they're open and active listening for the details that need to be changed. You need to pay for nobody's parking or everybody's parking. You need to do this, you need to do this. And and then when we start being able to just break those down one at a time, we are making progress. So speaking of, speaking of attracting talent, it seems like right now is really the time to understand not only from a retention standpoint, but from a recruiting standpoint, How do you bring in diverse talent? We have this great resignation, great reshuffle, great middle finger to your employer situation happening right now. How does a company approach that talent and attract them, especially if their previous reputation before the pandemic was maybe like butts and seats, eight to five, Monday through Friday? How do you make that shift in recruiting and what should companies be thinking about? I think in this very moment, talent acquisition and leaders need to be lockstep. 
and leaders need to be listening to what they're hearing. You know, I've been very close to this function and I can tell you right now, the second question being asked by candidates is how much is the position and what is the expectations about my working situation? Am I working from home? What is the flexibility being driven there? Again, it goes back to that conversation of, do you want to be competitive? If you want to be competitive, great. You want to be competitive and successful. Here are the things we need to do. You know, companies also need to be investing in infrastructure that's going to not only attract, but retain that talent. Unless we have an area that's going to give somebody a sense of belonging, people aren't going to stick around. And that belonging looks like not only saying, okay, you can work from home two days a week, but if you're working from home one of those days a week and you maybe are calling into a call where there are three people there in the office, how have you set up your infrastructure that that person will feel as much of the conversation as anybody else in that room? One of the largest pieces that came out of the focus groups for me was that somebody was talking, um, she is somebody that was not usually the individual giving ideas and she has flourished in this time. She's one of those people that this, this system really works well for. And it's because when she's in a brainstorm, she has the same real estate as everybody else on that screen. There is not one person holding the marker in front of the room. And typically whoever's holding that marker is usually a white male. And so how are we going to take the learnings of that and set up a structure moving forward that is going to allow us to hire those individuals in and make them feel heard and make them feel as part of the team due to what we've gone through this last year. You know, what's so interesting about this, this whole time period is a lot of individuals took some time to think about their lives. You know, we had this very real health threat. We continue to have this very real health threat. And when you're, when your health is threatened, when your employment is threatened, when your world, as you know, it is threatened, it causes you to do some, some thinking, some internalizing on, is this the life I want to be living? Is this the life I want? And if not, what is it going to take to be living the life I want? I think that now is the time that we're seeing companies forced into, if they haven't already forced at doing the same kind of introspection, where now they have to look at their organizations, whether it's the infrastructure, whether it's the, the culture that they have previously created for their employees, and look at all of this and say, is this one, who we want to be in the world? But also too, are we what our employees want us to be? You know, as we talk about the great, you know, resignation or the great reshuffling, we have to kind of back up a step and say, why are employees leaving in the first place? Are they leaving because we're not offering them whatever it is that they're looking for? And, and so as we hear, you know, we hear all these rumblings on, on social media, for example, of, I know, I know here in Michigan where I am, it's, you know, we've got a lot of um, retailers and restaurants looking for good workers and so many other industries. We've got tech industries, we've got, you know, information technology industry, you know, very large here in Michigan looking for workers. And we hear about, well, are they making, you know, kind of like almost some of those superficial, not superficial. I don't want to say that pay is superficial. It's not. Pay is very important. But looking at some of the benefits and what we afford to our employees is really key in this conversation as well. And I think that companies have to look at, are the things we're doing for our people enough? Mm -hmm. And for some, that answer is no. 
And there's going to be a decision there on the future of these organizations if they can't attract and retain the kind of workers they need in order to be a successful company. Do you, you know, do you see that kind of from an HR perspective? What are your thoughts on that? Am I, or am I just on my own soapbox? I totally agree with you. I think that companies are going through an introspective rebirth, so to speak. They're understanding they need to be employee focused. I'm not sure they know how to do that yet as a, as a full. There is a secret sauce that is there for people who are already doing it well, that has figured out culture because ultimately, you know, people want to know if they've had this moment, there's a variety of individuals who are saying this isn't for me, but there's a variety of individuals that are saying this could be for me if I can make it work in my life and figuring out how to make that company understand the tweaks that need to be made in order to make the individual feel like they can be successful at work and at home is going to be the crucial piece of of figuring out, you know, how are you going to help this individual see their path, your future, where they can be successful at both. From hearing what you're saying and and trying to to set up the situation of the employee being able to recognize the ability to be successful, there are some companies that that just don't have the ability to to offer this hybrid option. Not all companies can do that. And that's a very popular thing right now, as well it should be, because we're proving that it can be very successful and it offers people the ability to maybe actually be a happier, longer longevity employee because they've got this this option that just didn't exist before. But what happens when you're that company that can't offer that? What does that company need to do or consider in trying to retain, gain, get an employee when one of the things they can't offer is this new, wonderful hybrid option. I think I have a few thoughts on that. I think also the number one thing employers need to do is listen to their people. They need to do some stay interviews. They need to understand what are the pain points they're solving for. From my perspective, they should explore backup childcare and backup childcare, not just a, you know, you get three days a week, a year, like significant, you know, what is an option you can provide? I think they need to look at commuting. They need to understand what is the commute individuals are doing and what are they asking? Even, and, and down to the details of if they have somebody coming in five days a week, what's the monthly options? Like really tease some of it out with individuals. What we have not been do, we've not been good at in the past is the asking and the listening. You have leaders who are so quick to drive forward without taking that pause. And right now, more than anything, that pause is essential. Sounds like you just said, uh, communicate people. (laughs) (laughs) What? Communicate? That means like actually letting someone participate in the conversation instead of just making a decision because I think it fits. Oh, 100%. (laughs) And it's fascinating how truly uncomfortable that is for folks sometimes because it it is a place where people need to step back and get a little vulnerable. You know, real communication is, is getting a little vulnerable. And that is hard. That is really hard. If you're scared of the answer, 
then even more reason to be asking the question because what you don't know could be hurting you. You also could find, believe it or not, that you're spending money in areas that you don't need to spend money on. I remember at one point working for an employer that was putting all sorts of money and time and resources into creating these, a certain type of events for their team and the team didn't even like it. And so it's like, okay, you can take that budget and redirect it elsewhere. It's amazing what you learn when you stop and you listen. I, I love that idea. Yeah. Well, and it's also, there's a lot of strength in standing up in front of your people and saying, I don't know yet, but I'm in this journey with you. I think there is such, it, it shows human. It shows that the intention let's center around some intentions and walk forward together and see where we land. I don't know where that's going to be, but we'll get there. When we talk about equity, we talk about building some equity in this hybrid model, how it affects different groups. Are there issues with inequity when you have a hybrid model? So there are roles where you have to be at work, right? The janitor can't work remotely where I used to work. The copy room could not work remotely. There's a certain element of privilege that comes with just being able to work remotely. How do you balance taking care of the janitor, right? The copy room, which is vital, absolutely required with roles where you're like, yeah, I can work and in my PJs and I can also do my laundry. And there's an imbalance, even in just that space. How do you, how do you balance that? I think it's a great question. I don't think we've figured it out yet. I think it sits with making some agreements with your business as to what you're going to do for those individuals who need to be in the office. I also think it sits with understanding how we're working and, and what those actually digging into the job descriptions and see where you think that line is. It may be a lot further back and the people that you think need to be in person in actuality, there's a great piece of their job they could do from home. It's doing the detailed look into, again, I I think the way we're going to figure this out is be looking person by person, job by job, role by role, and stepping into the weeds, making a decision, stepping back, looking at the greater piece into the weeds, stepping back and kind of doing that dance to see where we sit. We are forging together in a place that we don't know, and that's okay. The other piece that I think is incredibly important for us to keep on, on our radar is there's the inequity of those who are going to be working from home versus the people who are going to be coming in more, making sure they're not favoring somebody over somebody else because they see them more. Proximity bias is a thing and is a thing we need to be training and need to be talking about. The way we get to a space of being as equitable as possible is to be talking about these things, have everybody understand these are there. If they are top of mind and we are all thinking about them, then it will help us build the right habits around it. Communication is key. Once again, she brings it right back to if you're having, if you're having the conversations that you need to be having, if you're in, if you are. Uh, discussing what's happening, what's going on with your productivity. Why does this work for you? Why does this not work for you? If you're asking those questions and getting that feedback, then you're going to make better choices moving along into what Julie was saying about the fear though, of not necessarily wanting that answer. What's the saying go? Ignorance is bliss. You're just happy, go lucky going along. And everybody's like cussing you out behind your back because you're not addressing their needs as employees. Yeah, Communication absolutely. is Rishia's number two 
favorite PSA behind number one, which is everybody needs therapy. <laughs> everybody needs therapy communication is key you know we're seeing mental health come up a lot in discussions about jobs return to work i know that i personally took oh gosh i think at the time of this recording getting six months leave from a job where i left a position specifically because i was burnt out mental health was a huge issue how should or could organizations be looking at in this new normal right how do you know how to help take care of mental health? Companies mm-hmm. have not historically been amazing at health in general, right? Part of that mm-hmm. is our healthcare system is a hot mess. But now mental health is even more important, I think, to this conversation than it's ever been. Like, how yeah. do you see that playing out? How does equity play into that? How does the new normal play into that? I mean, I think it goes into that larger conversation of kind of building out an employee experience driven culture. You need to talk about it. You need to build programs around it. As leaders, we owe it to our employees to be vulnerable and be in it. I had a baby during this pandemic and the months following that, I would have Sebastian on my lap and there were times that I needed to breastfeed. I would just tilt the camera up and I would have him there with me and be running a meeting while he was with me. I've had women call me who are crying and don't know me and say, I know that I have not, I just saw you on this meeting and I saw your son on your lap and I need to talk to you. Like that connection was made because I was a vulnerable and it, it was a little scary the first time I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I definitely, as a leader was all company meeting. I was scared and I did it. And I was so grateful. I was vulnerable in that moment. So, you know, it takes us stepping out and being vulnerable individuals with our employees to build that place where mental health can be talked about and thought about. And it needs to be forefront of people's mind because it is an essential part of our employees' um, health and overall and how we will retain them because they feel like they can be safe in our space. It's such an important part of the conversation to focus on mental health because what what better way can we show that we value our employees than to focus on their overall well-being and mental health, of course, is such a huge part of that. This has been such an incredible conversation. Thank you for sharing your thoughts as a human, as an HR expert, no doubt that you are just incredible things for, for your company, for your family by sharing your own vulnerabilities. So thank you so much for coming on the think tank of three before we go, we yeah. do have a few more. We have three actually rapid fire questions for you. Okay. We are collecting advice. So we ask the same three questions from all of our guests. Are you ready? I'm ready for you. All right. Number one, is there a lesson that you've recently learned that you wish you would have learned earlier in your career? Yes. There is power in the pause. There is power to sit back and wait on something. You know, I'm very excitable and eager to satisfy and and get into something, but sometimes you just need to sit back and let something actually understand where you sit before you answer. Taking a deep breath. I like it. From lessons that you've learned, what advice would you offer to any career woman? Surround yourself with strong, supportive women. You know, life is short, too short to linger and anything but that. Here, here. Find your tribe. Yeah. In today's professional setting, what do you think the most important skill is for a woman to learn? Communication. Communication skills is key, especially where, as we're going forward, this is everything. 
tell over communicate until you think that you you've told the message and then you probably are almost there. Rish is over there doing her touchdown dance. Communication. Therapy and communication. <laughs> Therapy and communication. Therapy and communication. <laughs> Those are, by the way, the answers to all questions you ask her. How's your day today? Therapy and communication. Amen. <laughs> I feel like we would be friends. <laughs> I communicated today and I'm on my way to therapy. <laughs> Katya, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on here and talking to us about this. Tell us how our audience can connect with you. If there are women out there who either want to ask questions about AKQA or have questions about how do I help my company with this? Oh my God, absolutely. I'm literally obsessed with this topic. So please reach out. Uh, LinkedIn, you can find me at LinkedIn, uh, Kat Chiller and Instagram, Kat Chiller. You can come see all my family and kids and many, many animals. So yeah, you can find me. Thank you so much for joining us today. That's all for this episode of Think Tank of Dreams. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or guests you'd like to hear from, send us a message at thinktankof3@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Subscribe to the Think Tank of Three wherever you listen to podcasts and connect with us online. We blog weekly at thinktankof3.com. Follow us on social media. You can find us individually on LinkedIn and as Think Tank of Three on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Women, click to join our private group on Facebook where we can all share advice and articles. And if you liked what you heard in the podcast, share it. You can find Think Tank of Three on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon Music, and SoundCloud.